Welcome to the Rock Out of Podcasting. I am the Rock Out of Podcasting, Charles McFall, and I've been listening back to my episodes, and I think I take way too long getting to my point. So here's the point. We're going to ask a question. Ask me anything you're going to get. Tony Robbins meets Kevin Smith meets some truth-telling style of Bishop Jim Swilly. So you're going to get some motivation. You're going to get some comedy. You're going to get some story. You're definitely getting full energy this morning. So, Mike, what do we have going on today? All right, sir. Um, Well, one thing I want to do is take a second and uh, remind the listeners and the viewers that uh, we're gearing up to our 50th episode, and we want to make this thing uh, a total crowd operation. We want a ton of people tuning in for the live recording of the episode, asking rapid-fire questions. Uh, Tons and tons of different questions from different people. Be there for the recording of that 50th episode, and we'll let you know when that's going to be. But also, send in your questions in advance. Advance if you don't think you can be there for it and no question too short no question too long just send in as many as you can as often as you can and uh, of course we'll uh, we'll credit everybody who asks us a question we'll let them know that you're absolutely who asked it so uh, again upcoming 50th episode get those questions in so as far as today's question goes we're going to touch base on something that uh, Charles you've mentioned off and on almost the entirety of, of the, the run of the Rock Out of Podcasting. And in different episodes, you've mentioned different situations where you found yourself in a, a for lack of a better term, a confrontation of some kind and some way where you've had to be prepared to either defend yourself or your family or... Um, Oh, any number of, of given things. But the what I want to talk about today is the, the, the idea of fighting. And All right. in what position do you find yourself willing to put up your fists? And, missionary. And, uh, missionary. Because <laughs> that's how you roll, sir. But that's the that's the thing. Fighting is something that uh, that a man is is required to do at some point in his life. I feel uh, you may feel differently about that. So that's what we want to hear about today. But uh, when it comes to fighting, what's when is the time is that when is that good? When is that bad? You know, what's what's your attitude towards fighting? You know, I have found in my own personal journey as human beings, we I fail to grow if I'm not in some kind of conflict, if I'm not uncomfortable, if I'm not needing to do something different. Now, as I've changed my life, as I've learned lessons, as I've become a bigger, better, better, more person, I look for opportunities to grow and not just be comfortable. And actually, I find myself, if I'm going to sit down and play a video game, I go, okay, is there something else I should be doing? Do I need to knock out something for a client that I'm being lazy about? Do I need to do something for my wife, like take out the trash? Or maybe, hey, I could unload the dishwasher or something, do something to make her life easier before I do this. I find myself thinking these things as opposed to back when I was first married. Now, I will cover all kinds of conflict, but this is the one that jumps out in my mind first. Uh, and that's not exactly the same as fighting, and I get that. And this is all going to tie together. You know it always does. You ride along. You know I'm going to go from A to Z to Q to F to U. <laughs> and then tie it all together in the end. <laughs> so back when I was first married, we were living in this townhouse. And the schedules were perfect for newlyweds because my wife worked five days a week, 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. at the local hospital. She was a ER secretary. And that's how I met her. It was at this hospital. I was an EMT at the time working on getting a paramedics numbers and, and worked locally on the ambulance. So I met her there in the ER, so on and so forth. We lived in this little townhouse. And so the schedule was great. I'd work for 24 hours and she would have some downtime for herself she could go out with her mom she could transition her life into our life as I was right it was because that's the hard thing about being newlyweds is you go from two individual lives doing all these things you don't even realize the extent of the habits and the choices that you have made for yourself until you try to cohabitate with somebody else until you try to become a new family a new partnership and so having the schedule where I'm gone for 24 hours she gets to have the house to herself and make it, you know, how she wants it. She gets to go out with her mom and not feel guilty that she's taking time away from me. The flip side of that was I'd come home 
and she would get up uh, around 10, 11 o'clock. We'd have uh, some time together, and then she'd go off to work at 1.30 or so. I would have eight hours at home to play my video games or to work. I was doing music then, so I'd play the drums or work on some music or editing or something, and then she'd come home. And a lot of times I'd cook dinner for her and take it up because the hospital was five minutes away. So I'd bring her home-cooked dinner to eat, and we'd, we'd spend her break, you know, having some time together, those kind of things. Not every day, but, you know, some days. But here's where the conflict came in. Here's where I was a lazy son of a bitch. And she would say, all right, can you please vacuum, just vacuum. the? It's a duplex, so it's two bedrooms, two little, two little baths, and a living room and a kitchen. It takes five minutes to vacuum it. Could you please vacuum, put away your shoes and vacuum the, the floor? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And I meant it. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Eight hours later, I'm still on the video game. She comes in, I'm like, oh, shit. And it caused a lot of conflict. And that kind of conflict, because I was making her unhappy, because I was being a total jackass, because I was the one keeping things down, not, you know, those kind of things, it made me grow. It made me want to be a better person. And what's that? That's that line from as good as it gets, you make me want to be a better man. There was some of that there, right? There was just growth. Going to the fists part of it. Man, Nolan, Nolan, Nolan freaking touched on this in the after. Uh, so this is recorded live for Patreons. Patreon.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. Go there, pledge, and you get to see this recorded live. But there's also extra. There's 30 minutes to an hour extra at the end of each show where I do it specifically just for patrons. Nolan, in one of those scenarios, I forget exactly how we got there, but he hit on it because you got to get the voice out of your head that you're going to hurt people. I think this was dealing with the negative feedback stuff I can't do anything about, how I'm frustrated with that, but how I've learned just to not look at it. And it's true, too. I'll reference Lyft, and Lyft will send me, Lyft is a company, uh, an app I drive for. It's like Uber, but better. They will send you a daily summary and a weekly summary and then a payout. Well, one of the summaries is just how you're doing. And it shows you your ratings. It shows you what will happen if you get low ratings and you know so on and so forth. It, it gives you, but it gives you no recourse. It'll say, you know, this person, it won't even tell you what person. It'll say, you got flagged for friendliness. I got flagged for friendliness at one point. Apparently, I wasn't friendly enough for some jackass who got in my car. My point is... I was talking about that and how there's nothing I can do about it, but it takes the wind out of me. It makes me less of who I am. It, it, it makes me feel defeated to see that because I can't do anything about it. It's non-constructive criticism. It's just a report. And he said to me, you've got to get your mother's voice out of your head that you're always going to hurt people. And it was such a, a moment there of I never put that together and never had tied those moments together. And he put the ribbon on it and said, dude, this is what's going on. And that's what I love about the show is that I have, I don't, I, I have a lot of answers for myself. I've got a lot of history, a lot of stories to tell, but not everything has been connected. And you, the listener can connect those dots for yourself. You can connect them for me. And in doing so, we co-create this new reality. We co-create this new healing, this, this new world that we're living in. I just posted the show uh, while a little while back, uh, taking offense for offense sake and just learning that concept changed my reality to where I was three or four levels higher now. So I say all that to say it really goes back to as I was growing up, I was always a big kid. I was always a goofy kid who had his head up his ass. I did accidentally hurt people a lot because I never paid attention to things. And that is something I'm actively working on with my children to pay attention. But what was said to me was I had to be a gentle giant. I had to be careful because I don't know my own. I mean, that was literally said to me. You don't know your own strength. You're all, you're going to hurt somebody. Now, I never seriously hurt anybody. I never broke any bones. I never gave anybody a black eye. At worst, at worst, I bruised some people roughhousing. That was the worst of it. But with the message I received, it was, I have no, no belief that my mother intended to turn me into a coward. She just had a fear because I was so big and because I had my head up my ass and I was oblivious to a lot of life. She had a fear that I guess I was going to kill somebody by accident. That I was going to be George <laughs> from Mice and Men, you know. No, George is the good I was going to be the other guy. That was, where are the bunnies, George? Where are the bunnies? And Lenny. I was going to be Lenny, I think, is what she's afraid of. Although I don't know that she ever read that book. 
or watch the excellent movie with John Malkovich and uh, Lieutenant Dan. I uh, can't think of his name right in a second. But anyway, uh, so that's – I was always hesitant, always hesitant to fight. Now, also, I have zero concept of why, but I've always had this aversion to conflict for a long for the longest time. I had this aversion to conflict. I I hated it. I hate having to get in and tell somebody they're wrong. I'd rather just disappear. I just wanted the world to go right. Ah, that's how I felt. Is that voice? Is why why do I well some conflict is false, right? Some conflict is imagined. Like you go into you go into a conversation expecting a fight and when you 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 know, and you see it on TV, it gets blown out of proportion, right? But you see it on TV where uh, they go in expecting a fight, they put their foot down, and the other person's like, "Oh yeah, sure, that's reasonable, no problem, absolutely, we can do that." And they're like, and this, 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 all the fight gets taken out of it. You're like, well, really? Okay. So some of that is an imagined conflict. Some of it is you really know you should just be out of that person's life. There was this girl in my life, Marcy, not Marcy Rosenbaum. Marcy Rosenbaum, beautiful lady amazing, amazing talent and uh, really helped my career move forward and helped my life move forward and good friend. Now, this was a Marcy from college. And Marcy Rosenbaum redeemed the name of Marcy because (laughs) until I met her, the Marcys I knew in my life were horrible people. So this Marcy in college, she... Man, she had a thing. I don't know. I'm sure there's probably a psychological... Whatever out there. My hands are cold. I have to put them in my pocket. <laughs> my hands are freezing right now in my studio. But this Marcy in college had this need to have, be pitied somehow. And it wasn't with everybody, I guess. Somehow she found, I have a caring heart, right? Especially in college age, I wanted to be the hero. That was my thing. I wanted somebody to come rescue me. I was I was so caught up in my own bullshit in my life and the own chains and, and everything in, in, that I had in my life. The damage, right? And I, I'm trying to be careful with my words because I've withdrawn blame. I used to blame my parents for it, but the truth is some lessons you learn are your own perception and they're incorrect. And some lessons are correct, but they don't always come from your parents. Sometimes they come from other places that you don't remember. They come from friends and how friends treated you. They come from other adults who taught you, those kind of things, just whatever. So I always withhold blame because the reality is I took responsibility for holding on to those lessons, for holding on to that damage. And once I took responsibility, then I could start cleaning them out. So I want to be clear about that. But I had tons of damage. I wanted to be rescued in my life. So in the fact that I wanted to be rescued and nobody was coming to rescue me, because there was nobody to rescue me. I wanted to be the hero to rescue people. And this Marcy had a boyfriend who went off to culinary school. Now, this is in Georgia. And he went off to culinary school in Colorado, I think. And I had zero romantic interest in her, but her damage played into my damage and vice versa. So I wanted to be the hero. So it started with her giving me calls about how he's treating her on the phone and he was being an ass. And Oh, yeah, and that sucks. That's, I'm so sorry. You, know, you deserve to be treated better. And it was all, again, I, or at least on my side, it was all being the hero. Had no romantic, God, no romantic intentions on her. She was never my type. Then it grew into, at some point, it jumped to she was having uh, inner ear surgery, right? Uh, The the kind of surgery that you have as a kid where you get tubes put in. I don't know if they had to replace them or something, but something went sideways on her. And she was having issues with her ears again. So she had to have the outpatient surgery where they redid the tubes or did something fairly simple to her ears. And she needed somebody to drive her home from the hospital. Sure, I can do that. I, was a, I think I was studying to be an EMT at the time, or maybe I'd just become an EMT at the time. And so uh, so now I need to tag this episode EMT so people who will research and listen to the show. <laughs> oh, that's a little back, back story, side story, bullshit thing. Anyway. So I agreed to bring her home, and then she asked me to stay with her. So I ended up staying at her house for two days, whatever. And, and at the end of two days, I was tired of it. But at first I was like, yeah, I'm the hero. I'm taking care of her. I'm making sure she feels comfortable. I'm like this nurse caretaker, whatever thing. She really leaned into that. I mean, she really, God, if I think back to it, I probably 
God damn, man. How was that goofy son of a bitch who didn't know he's being played? Not that I believe she intentionally played me, but she played me to feed into her own needs. And she was the girl getting all the attention and getting cared for. And I made her soup. And, you know, that guy. The only thing is there was no sadness on that level. Because, again, I was not trying to be the boyfriend. I didn't care to be the boyfriend. I was actually going after this other girl. And I thought, actually, that would make me look better in her eyes. So on and so forth. But at the end of the, the second day, I was like, this is bullshit. I'm tired of sleeping on the couch. I'm tired of it. I'm drained. Because the reality was... There was nothing good going on there. So it just broke something in me at that point. I just was like, this is nasty. I hate how I feel. I hate how you are. Well, then it progressed. Literally every phone call after that was, hey, hi. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, such is you know, it's just, ugh. I wanted to avoid the conflict. I, I just was like, I had no idea how to deal with any of it. I knew it was partially, some level of me knew it was my fault. Although I had no concept of that at the time. No conscious concept. But, you know, part of what I hated myself for is I knew I'd get myself into it without realizing it. It became like that in public. It became to the point where she would call me thinking about wanting to kill herself and drive backwards on this one road or uh, I hear her playing with a gun. Finally, I think I've told part of the story before, but finally at the end of all the story, I told her, just fucking do it. I'm done. Don't call me again. And I hung up on her. And that hurt because I, I still felt the goddamn guilt because I carried guilt with me from all the shit I'd learned about my life and all that stuff. So I was like, ah, She's going to get, but I knew I, there's nothing I could do. I knew somewhere it clicked in my brain and in my soul. And I think that both of those have to line up, right? Because you can think one thing and believe another. You can think gays are evil, but you can believe that all humans have rights. And there's a conflict there. So the two have to line up. Okay, and, and I do reference that, that quick story, just in case this is your first episode. Uh, I was raised religious. I was taught being gay is a sin, and so I believed it was a sin, And but God hates the sin, loves the sinner, and gays need to be converted. But somewhere in me, that always conflicted because I believed that I'm a human being, need to be treated like a human being. And if I need to be treated like a human being, they're a human being. And then it grew into how does it affect me, so on and so forth, to where now I'm definitely an advocate for gay marriage and human rights and what who gives a crap if you believe it's a sin what is it it's not your business shut the fuck up jesus will deal with it all right moving on i knew there's nothing i do there's no hero opportunity it just got crappy now through all this time this happened over six eight months maybe longer we had a group of mutual group of friends we hung out with and at one point i finally said to the somewhat leader of the group, the person who always organized everything, got together, and she owned the house, and we'd come over to her house and stuff. I finally said, is Marcy going to be there? And she said, oh, yeah. And I didn't, I never, I, I think I tried to go into some of it, but basically got huge lashback from her. I, I, I don't remember the whole fight. I remember hanging up on the girl, uh, the, the organizer. I can't remember her name right now because she was so pissed off. I'm like, I'm not asking you to uninvite her. I'm saying... If I'm there and she's there, I don't want to be there. I will remove myself from the situation. But we want you. We did it. Then she can't be there. They wouldn't believe me. Like you're somehow they, all my friends believed I was lying because she was always happy with them. And and I don't know what they believed about me, why they thought I'd make that up. But they did. They thought I made it up. So I remember this conversation with her and she's yelling at me. I just hung up the phone. I didn't give a shit anymore. I was like, nope, I'm done. I don't want to be around her. For any reason ever again, I've done. And I hung up. And I got a phone call back, and I answered it because I knew as, as a landline, kids, <laughs> there's this thing where phones would run to your, a line to your house, and you had to have a physical phone in your house. And if you weren't there to answer it, you didn't get the call. Uh, <laughs> but it was also my parents' house, so I knew I had to answer it because uh, they would and cause a problem. Uh, so I answered it, and she's like, I can't believe you hung up on me. Don't you ever do that again. I'm like, oh, like this? And I hung up again. Because, <laughs> goddamn, you don't fucking push the rock out of podcasting. And the point was, there was nothing good to say. So it caused a fight, huge thing. Time passed, more time passed, where I hung out with some friends, whatever. But I moved on. I felt much, much better. And the way I described it was, I felt like I was barely standing on a raft. 
right? I'm barely standing there, and I'm I'm trying to save myself, and I can't save anybody else. And when I reach down to help somebody like her out of the water, I feel like I'm being pulled in to drown. And I feel like I'm drowning overall. I can't do it. They wouldn't get that. may triggered so many different things. Well, some time passes, and they decide to trick me, right? They're going to invite me to a barbecue. No, no, she's not going to be here. Of course she was going to be there. They invited her. So sure enough, I'm there, and uh, actually, so I show up late to whatever. She's already there. And here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. This is where conflict can be of your own making because had I not brought my damage into it, had I refrained from being the hero, had I just said, here's some help if you need help, what I can do now, if you want help, here's help if you need it. And, and I can see the difference between true help and then going in and, and doing things for people who don't want help. They want misery. So she's at the party about good 20, 30 minutes before I am, and she's happy, and the way they have always known her, and the second I show up, it was a light switch. It was a light switch, man, because it was such an ingrained response that she had built for herself when she saw me. It went from, ha, ha, da, 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 oh. I mean, her whole body shifted, everything shifted, and I was like, fucking really? But they got to see it. Everybody was there. I mean, it wasn't as dramatic as this, but in conversations later, Everybody was like, oh, shit, you were you were telling the truth. I was like, I don't lie. I never lie. I mean, this is a point in my life where I had done so much lying and so much manipulation, ruined every relationship I'd ever had at that point with, with almost every one of my friends. I had two long-term friends at that point left. That was like, I'm just going to tell you what I fucking think, and I'm done with this bullshit. So that was a conflict of my own making that caused just massive problems because nobody saw what I saw. Nobody experienced what I experienced, but as soon as they did, they, they saw it. And that was just that was just shitty. But that's the kind of thing that we make. And I didn't want to I, I didn't never I never talked it out with Marcy. I never talked it out with those friends anymore. I basically just left that group and went, I mean the second I showed up for the party and she was there, I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with you fuckers. And I stayed for the party because it was free beer. And free food. So I stayed and ate beer. I ate food and drank beer. Uh, but I left and I never talked to them again. I mean, Johnny, who was there, my friend Johnny, John uh, uh, Marsh, was there. He and I stayed friends. We'd been friends long before that. But everybody else never spoke to him again because you you intentionally tried to fuck me. You intentionally never listened to me. And there was other things. I mean, the longer I stayed away from them, the more my head cleared. There is a thing of groupthink and there is a, a, a brainwashing that you do to yourself or that somehow you allow to happen. That I got into this group of friends, this one girl who I had to fight with, she believed, I shit you not. This is in one of my deepest moments in the church still. And I'm still embedded in the church. She said this to me. I laughed out loud and hurt her feelings and was blown away. This all happened about the same time. I was blown away by how stupid can you be? But she believed that you never pray out loud. I'm like, why? That sounds crazy why why would you never pray out loud we don't pray out loud because if you pray out loud then the devil can hear you and the devil can hear you he could he could he knows what you're trying to do and he can stop it i'm like (laughs) i laughed that hard i thought she was joking and when i saw her friends like oh shit you're serious? How the and in my ham fist was like, how the hell could you believe that the devil is magic enough to hear your prayers and fuck you up, but it's not magic enough to hear the inside your brain the God moment. I don't what, what is wrong with you? And I mean, just destroyed her. I mean, destroyed her relationship. We never spoke again, and all that just played into each other. But I had this after I, I after that moment after I fully one hundred percent stepped away from all of it. I'm like. How the fuck did I ever hang out with those people? How do I hang out with people who thought like that? Who had, I mean, everything about this girl was, to me, was calming me down. Don't be so aggressive. Don't tell dirty jokes. Don't don't like what you like. Don't be who you are. Everything about her and this group of people other than Johnny was that. It was people I never wanted to be around. It was people I didn't understand. And I kept hanging out with them. And so that was a conflict of my own making, and it, it got me to change. When I go to fists, then I'm going to start with early days of anger and, and bring it forward as I do, but I'm going to talk about uh, other conflicts. I've had conflicts with the police multiple times 
Uh, fuck the police. <laughs> God, I love that movie, Shane Out Compton. Love all that music, man. That is Ice-T, man. Ice Cube, Ice-T, uh, NWA, all that West Coast. That's my that's that's my jam. I mean, I know Ice-T was uh, New York, but just that anger rap. All that. Anyway, 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 anyway. You know what? If you want to be a, a, a music, music snob and, and miss my point there about what I was saying with the, the anger rap and the aggression, the, 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 just that music era, and you want to be like, well, duh, 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 fuck you. That's what I'm going to say. Fuck you. <laughs> feel, feel free to, to, to comment, though. You know, <laughs> the RGOP at charlesmcfall.com. You can email how ignorant I am about music, and that's fine. I'll read it on the air, and I'll talk about it, and I'll move on. But I mean, pretty much the same with what I just said. So straight out Compton, man, it's, it's great. If if that's your thing, it's a great movie. It's my thing. It, it, I found it to be a great movie. So com- conflict of fighting, fist fighting. As I grew up, of course, had that message. This is where I started with. Had the message of gentle giant, you're gonna hurt somebody. Uh, somehow, somehow, I got the message: you should never fight. I was afraid of pain. I know that for a fact. I was afraid of pain. The first fight I ever got into was with Garrett motherfucking Westbrook. Uh, he might be a decent human being now, but he was a goddamn twat waffle when I was growing up. And he was a bully, beyond bullies. He was a dick and just had issue after issue after issue with him and his lackey, Henry. And funny enough, there's a dog that my brother-in-law has now called Henry. And they act about the same. Henry just wagged his tail and did whatever fucking Garrett wanted him to do. I had this dude point a BB gun, but point a loaded gun at me to tell me to get out of his yard and be a dick. I had him, I can't remember, he did all kind of bullshit. But this one day, I, I, I was afraid of pain, I was afraid of fighting, but I was bigger, I was always bigger than everybody else. But I was goofy, and I was dumb, and I was sheltered. So, it had all built up. I have no idea where I actually got the message. My dad, who was in the military. Now, my dad, who was mostly passive as far as how he raised me in in my life, I remember a moment of, I think it was after the fight, so that the time frame doesn't matter, but I definitely remember a moment where he lost his shit. He, one of the few times in my life I saw him lose his shit on my behalf. I mean, he was, I think he had some rage tears in his eyes. He was pissed off. He wanted me to punch the fuck out of this kid. And my mom, I remember like, no, you can't do that. I, don't, I Very unclear of the details, but I remember him wanting me to fight. And he, I remember him telling me he was trying to compromise with his wife as opposed to being a father to me and do what he does. Uh, and we all make choices in life. That was no judgment in that statement. It was just how I remember it. It's how I see it. His compromise was, because my hand was big and I was strong, it's just grab their hand and squeeze the shit out of it. You know, that was his compromise. Because I could hurt somebody that way. I could establish my dominance. He hated that I got bullied. He hated, you know, as a father with his love in his heart and as a, a man, he hated seeing me be weak and, and be be kicked around. He wanted a happy life for me. That's one of the few times I remember him losing his shit. But I still somehow got the idea fighting is bad. I was afraid of pain. I was. I was afraid of pain. I mean, hell, I played games with my kids. <laughs> we we made up a game when my when Oakland was probably around six. That makes Crosby around five, maybe a little bit older. But little kids, we I just made up a card game called Doom. I just named it Doom just because it'd be funny. And I always say Doom. And I forget how he did it because we just kind of did it on the fly, but basically you had to have certain cards. If you did something wrong, you get slapped on the arm. That was the doom, right? That was the doom. And you have to play. It, it would start with a certain level of hit, and whoever won the card got to do the hit. It'd always be on the arm. And my kids loved it. They'd slap the shit out of me. Well, I would control myself. I'd slap them enough to sting and be funny because pain is funny. It is. I mean, jackass wouldn't have made the money it made if it wasn't funny. Pain is fucking funny without hurting them. But I got them used to it and that kind of thing. And they loved the shit out of that. They loved that game. Uh, with with my older ones, we'll play slap. Every once in a while, they just want to kind of challenge. I think it's born in the kids, too, to challenge the dominance a little bit. And they want to slap and see what happens. Well, I always will control myself. But I, I slap them hard enough to sting. I do because I want them to know pain is okay. You need to be able to fight through the pain because I never did. So going back to Garrett Westbrook and Camilla and uh, all that bullshit. There was a day when he was just running his mouth being a dick. He, I, he was being a bully to me, singling me out again, and I was on my bicycle. I remember I, 
I did the whole step off the bike while you're riding thing, and it ro- rolled off and crashed, and I stood up. And I'm like, he goes up to my chest, and this is I moved there when I was six, and we moved away when I was twelve. So let's say it's probably around age ten, nine or ten. And he's already smaller than me, thinner than me. I stand up to him. Well, he goes to swing, and I put him in a headlock, and do nothing. I put him in a headlock. He's wailing on the back of my head. All I had to do was one uppercut, and he'd have been done. He'd have been fucking done. And I had him in a headlock, and there was nothing for him to do. He wasn't getting out of it. He was just punching the shit out of me. And I didn't know what to do. I had no fucking clue what to do. And all I could do was think to give up. I'm fucking winning. And all I can do is to think to give up. And so I do. I gave up. I let go of him, and I asked for mercy. I had this bitch in a headlock. I mean, open hand, I could have slapped his face. I could have made him stop hitting me. I could have broken him, his spirit, his bullying shit forever. I could have actually been that goddamn hero of the story. But after I got him in a headlock, I didn't know what to fucking do. No idea. And I'm feeling the pain in my head, and I want it to stop. So I let go, and I cry for mercy. This feels like a point I need to make right now. How many of us do that in our lives as adults? How many of us avoid conflict because we're afraid of that pain? Because we're afraid of the loss of friends? That was all my conflict growing up. And we'll get to the good conflict in the marriage and the good conflict in adult life soon. Uh, Very soon, I see my timer. Uh, But we do that. We're afraid of the pain. We'd rather feel safe than possibly go through something that would hurt us. We'd rather be unhappy or, and fuck it, we'd rather be miserable than to potentially push somebody out of our lives that needs our help. Quoting fingers, needs our help. We'd rather be in utter agony and misery and hate the sound of somebody's voice than possibly lose friends or lose our status in a circle. And when the stories I'm about to tell you is the opposite of all of that. It's I found, now it's swung way too far. I love now. This is one thing my mom always taught me that I loved. She taught me about the idea of the pendulum. Pendulum. Think of metronomes. Think of uh, uh, the big swinging axes in, in horror films. It's a pendulum, right? It's a fulcrum on a pivot that swings from left to right, typically, or right to left. It doesn't matter direction, but it swings sideways, backwards, and forward, right? And so when I'm all the way all the way on this one side, where it's weakness where it's fear where it's please don't hurt me hammer don't hurt them <laughs> where it's where it's it's misery and uh and once that seal gets broken and you flip and you're like fuck this shit i'm going to i'm i'm done i am done feeling this way you swing your actions way over to the other side when you let go of it, when you let go of the pendulum, it will swing equally to the other distance. It'll keep coming back and forth. And eventually, giving the laws of, of motion, it will stop in the middle. That's a physical pendulum. You know, The one in your life isn't quite like that. Because that feeling stuck with it. My actions only changed. I still felt miserable, alone, separated. My actions changed. And because of that fight... And I got mocked later and whatever. And that, I believe, I'm pretty sure it's after I told my parents about that fight that my dad lost his shit and wanted me to beat the fuck out of this kid. We were getting ready to move. Now, after that, the whole stuff I talked about with the church, First Baptist Camilla, where they kicked us out, put us on the street, all that darkness happened. I was doing the, I needed counseling and wasn't getting it. All this trauma happened in a relatively short period of time, a couple of years, between nine and, and 12 years old. And so I, I literally just made a, a, a conscious decision in my life to say that will fucking never happen again. I'm when this new place that we moved to, I want to find the bully. I want to break him. I want to beat the shit out of him. Well, there was no bully in the new place. So guess who filled that role? And that's something we'll talk about another time about the pendulum swinging and the actions. But yeah, I went all the other way. I could tell. Good stories and bad about how that worked. But I became a gang leader, roughly, basically. I mean, it wasn't a true leader. It wasn't a, hey, this is good, follow me. It was do what I say or I'll break you bullshit. So that swung in my life hard. Let's jump to the the good conflict. As I stated earlier with my wife, we don't grow and change unless we are uncomfortable and we need to. 
Why would you? You're driving your car along. Everything's fine. Why would you take it to the mechanic? Oh, you hear a noise. Something feels off. Something's not right. Take it to the mechanic. That's how we work. Sure, mechanics sell checkups. I would love to hear some stats on how many people get checkups of their vehicles, regular just maintenance, just, oh, tweak here, tweak there, versus how many people bring it in for repair. Because I will go ahead and put my foot out there and say, I believe it's going to be a huge percentage just bringing it in for repair and a small percentage brings it in for regular maintenance and keeps it running good. Smart brain says, hey, go in and get, if you get, pay, you know, 50, bucks right now, you'll save $800, $900 down the line. That's smart. But the comfort in us says, everything's fine. We're driving along. Why would you do that? You don't even think about it. You don't, you don't even challenge the thought. You don't challenge that. You never have the thought of going in and getting something checked out. So without that conflict, without that push, without that sand in the oyster, you you have no reason to affect change most of the time. So my buddy Douglas, I actually would love to have him in on the second part of the conversation, but that's not how the show works. When I was first married, he was single. And me, man, I I am emotional. I am loud. I was rage incarnate. Now I'm just emotion incarnate, right? I just, everything's big. I love, I love the TV version of Jews and Greeks because their families are all big and loud and, oh, come sit down and, oh, we're happy. And, of course, when they're angry, they're big and angry. I identify with that. I, I love that idea because that's that's has nothing to do with religion or ethnicity, but that's how I work. When my kid does something great, I make a big deal about it. I fucking live stream that shit. They know that's a big deal, right? Because that's how I make my living. I, I put videos out and I do podcasts and that's my life. That's what's important. So when they do something important and I'm doing a video with them, whew, big deal, right? I'll get loud about how happy I am about their stuff. I have no shame in that, right? I will use my mouth and, and the, the fact that I'll say anything to anybody with no fear on their behalf. At the same time, when they fuck up, when they do something wrong, I will hit them hard with my words. And actually, I, I need to apologize to my oldest son because I feel like I've been too hard on him lately. And I want to talk to him about that. Because that's important to find that balance. I want him to understand that I do love him and I think he can do better. But I've, all I've been doing is yelling at him lately or or just tell him to get his head out of his ass, which is the necessary step he needs to take to do what he needs to do, but there's got to be better ways. But even if I have to say get your head out of your ass, I need to follow up with, dude, I'm proud of what you are doing. I'm proud of here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I want you to understand that I'm going to fuck some of this up because that's conflict. That's emotional conflict without follow-up. How many times, maybe you were in this household, I saw it on TV. How many times do you see a mother and a father talking to each other on TV or maybe in your own house or friend's house or somewhere, and the father never says, I love you? And the mother's the one who's nurturing, right? And she's like, oh, you need to tell them I love them. And the line is, they know I love them. How? Because you go to work every day and put food on the table? That's called living. And, yeah, I work extra hard because I want my my kids to have a good life. But if they don't know why I'm doing it, they're just going to know I'm gone. Well, Dad's over there. He drinks his coffee. He does his podcast. He goes off places, whatever. I never saw my dad growing up. That's what they'll feel. My dad made sure to take me to work with him from time to time. That's how I got my first exposure to computers and playing Pong. That's how I got my first exposure to VCRs and, and media. I got to go to a conference with him and stay in a hotel. You know, these are little things that he did to include me in his life. And my sister as well. She got to do that as well. And these are memories I have. Whereas he wasn't the guy that always gave hugs. He wasn't the guy that always said, hey, man, I love you. Those kind of things. He did say it. He made himself say it from time to time. But he also made sure that we had special time with him, that we knew he loved us in his own way. You need to do that. That, that. I'm preempting teenage conflict as best as I can. I'm investing in their future to say, hey, there were times in my life I thought my parents hated me 
because my dad avoided me because we had a bad relationship. We we couldn't talk to each other. I there were times because because I feel like it's because the way he was raised and the, and the conflicts there, he would rather avoid a conflict with me and hope I knew he loved I, he loved me versus getting over yourself and trying to find a way to communicate. And I've had to let go of a lot of that in my life. I don't know if it's a man thing. I have no idea if it's just the way I was raised or don't. Maybe it's just who I am. But I lo- I'm a leader. I know what's right. I fucking executive produce life. It's what I do. I know what's right for other people many, many, many times. I definitely know where I want my kids to be. I want them to be the best at what they fucking do at who they are. I want them to understand who they are now. Never get the damage to distract you from who you are. I'm trying to avoid that. I'm trying to build in, no, this is who I am. So when this other shit comes in and tells me different, fuck you, that's wrong. Well, when you become a teenager, yeah, life changes. Hormones kick in, chemicals. Life, period, is different. And I understand there will be conflicts, and there will be hopefully a short period, maybe no period of time, where we're separate emotionally, connectionally, mentally, those kind of things. But maybe there will be. So I I invest now in what conflicts that can be building up so that they avoid the wrong messages, and I'm doing the best to give them the right messages. Whereas I might fuck up and say, you're a dumb fuck, and you need to get your head out of your ass. I'm going to follow it up with and do 10 times more of, you're really, really smart. You can get this. Wake up. Come on. Get your brain warmed up. You know you can do this. Get in there and do it. Take mental action. Do something. So I have to, I need to, I just feel that need to follow up. I was thinking about that last night to to apologize to him and and to really reinforce the positive. But that's some of that conflict, right, is getting him to do better in school. How many people were super smart and got great grades because they wanted to impress their parents? As opposed to just because they wanted to. How many people now, you know, I was this way to the last couple of years. How many people now want their parents to acknowledge the great things that they're doing and don't get it? You know, I, I was that way through most of my adulthood. Because I was trying the wrong things. I was, mis, I was misunderstanding the connection. So my buddy Douglas was single. And I was married, and I'm emotional, and I'm, I, I say blah, whatever I feel, and just fights. And he came up with a great term. I want everybody to use this term. It's credited to Douglas Spencer circa the year 2000. <laughs> emotional embolism. So an emotional aneurysm also. But there's the thing called an embolism in your body where you throw a blood clot. And depending on where it lands, because some clots are small and they're okay, but if it lands in your brain and blocks off blood, you have a stroke and it's really, really bad. If it lands in your lungs, you stop breathing, it's really, really bad. Embolisms are bad. But there are these little things that, that can cause big problems. He, he coined that term for me that I have emotional embolisms. That I just throw fits. I have these uncontrolled releases of emotion, and they cause problems. An aneurysm is when usually uh, the really, really bad ones is in your aorta. It's the big tube that gets the blood to your body. Uh, That's a really, really bad one, and it it starts pushing out the sidewall, right? That's where emotions build up, and then when it ruptures, you die very quickly. An emotional aneurysm is bad because that's when you just build up, build up, build up, and either you kill yourself in suicide or you destroy your relationships and everything around you because you explode. So those two things uh, are good emotional medical terms for you. But he never understood the conflict. And his whole pattern, his whole life was apathy. And and certain people definitely respond to that. Well, you'll figure it out. Okay, hey, you know, oh, you, you figured out that doesn't work. Here's how it works. Very calm, very logical. It's helpful at times. I'm the opposite. He, he and I are yin and yang. And yes, it, it works because the, he still has emotions. He still feels strongly about things that upset him. Whereas I definitely still have a small part of logic and, and knowing things. And, okay, I'm going to let you go hit that wall. All right, did you learn? No, okay, do it again. All right, did you learn? No, all right. There's little bits of each of us in each other. But the big parts are I'm, I'm the emotion, he's the logic. And so he's always giving me these advice, the, this lack of advice, really, from where he was in life. He, he hadn't had the experiences I had at that time. And that's what I needed was experiential advice, but he was the only person I could talk to. And he was basically being negative about how much fighting I do, how much emotion I do. Well, part of that was good. It helped me take some emotion out of it, vent to him, and then go in nicely, logically, and talk to my wife, help build relationships. 
But all the fights that I had with my wife, all those times I talk about the darkness and how that affected things, I have zero regrets about it. I would never change it because it was part. It became part of who we are. We got tested by fire on each other. And once we figured out we couldn't kill each other, we became invincible to the rest of the world. When things get tough, I've talked about it many, many times. When we lost the house in a bankruptcy, all we knew was she and I are together with our kids. It's us against the world. That Tupac song's me against the world. But it's us against the world. We were it. We were locked in. That got us through because that's all we needed to know. Conflict can be good because some people need it. Some people need it. My wife, when we came, she came into the marriage, she, her family, the way she was raised, her pattern was, ah, there's this thing, but we're just gonna we're just gonna forget about it. We're just not gonna talk about it. I was like, no, we're gonna talk about it. But what I meant was, no, let's fucking fight. Let's get it on. Well, both were too extreme, but we did come to the middle of we talk about things now. Now that we've worked out a lot of issues, we can talk about things that are sensitive. We can snap at each other without starting a fight. We can have fights because there is emotion in life. We carry things in life. And sometimes you just need to emotionally vomit all over the place to get it out. To then talk about what's really going on. It took a while to get to that place. But that's where emotionally I'm willing to put up my fists. Because fighting needs to happen. Sometimes, as a teenager, all I wanted was somebody to fucking push back. To acknowledge, yeah, you're hurt. But one, that bullshit ain't going to fly here. Two, talk to me. I got that with my wife. I remember the first time I blatantly cussed out my mom. One of the only times I blatantly cussed out my mother. I intentionally was doing it because I was at the end of my rope feeling isolated and alone and that she didn't fucking get it. And I told her that in no uncertain terms. I go, you can go fuck yourself. You can go to hell. You don't fucking get it. And got the wrong response. I didn't get the, well, obviously you never do that here. So something, you know, not, not a scream back, not an emotion, just very cold. Well, I can't. I literally, this is what she said to me in that moment. We both had damage. We both had wrong responses. My push was, go to hell, you fucking bitch. You don't get it. Her response was, I can't go to hell. I have Jesus as my savior. Neither of us got what we wanted out of that goddamn conversation. And we still haven't, to be honest. We've both grown. We've both tried to accept each other where we are in life. But we don't have that connection. I mean, there's a little connection. There's something there. Don't get me wrong. But there's whatever she was trying to get wasn't happening. Whatever I was trying to get never happened. So conflict can be good. I got that with my wife. And it let me get the fuck you, fuck the world. And she's still standing there. Okay, let's, 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 all my emotions gone. Let's talk about what I'm dealing with. Okay, now I can get healing. Same with her. Let's talk about what you're dealing with. Okay, now you can move on, get healing. I'm still here. I still love you. Conflict helps show that. So that's where conflict in your marriage, I'm not saying go start fights. I, I, I don't, I have, you have to figure it out for yourself. But I can say, if you're avoiding conflict in your marriage because you're afraid your marriage will end, is your marriage not over now? If you're avoiding saying something that needs to be said to your spouse, something that has to change because you're miserable, because it drives you crazy, because every time you think about it, you get irrationally angry, isn't your marriage over now? How, how, is, how is having a fight and an emotional embolism worse than what you're going through right now? If you're afraid to leave, talk about that. If you're afraid of the pain, talk about that. Sometimes you have to hurt to grow. I know Mornet was a fan of saying birthing pains on success freaks. And I, yes, that applies to some things. I think of it as inoculations. You know, needles hurt. I think of it as when I had uh, my my tooth was killing me and I had to get it pulled. It had rotted. I, did, I had no idea I had a cavity. I knew some part of my tooth had fallen off. I was keeping myself intentionally ignorant. I let it go. My tooth rotted. I made stupid bad decisions, and I paid for it. And I'm in a ton of pain, and they had to stick a needle in that area. Made it worse. Made it worse until the drugs kicked in, which made it a lot better. And then made the actual the actual hard part was very bearable because of the little bit of pain that I put up front. Otherwise, it had been soul-rendering. We're going to rip this nerve out of your head because teeth are connected to nerves. 
There's nerves underneath there. We're going to rip this thing off the nerve, and you're just going to suck it. That'd be horrible. I mean, I went through with some great drugs, and that was rough. If you're afraid of the pain, your life is miserable. How is, how is not facing the pain better than what you have now? So let's talk about my conflicts with the, the officers and actually being willing to, to go to fight. Uh, anything that threatens my family. Anything that threatens my family. In a serious way, if I and I can tell a difference, you can. Uh, my wife and I actually talked about this uh, the other night. Uh, there's two videos. Uh, one was the other night. One was a while back. But the video she's watching the Real Housewives of whatever show, uh, and as she, and she likes the drama and whatever. She goes, "Well, this thing happened where there's drama," and the husband of this wife said. I, I don't know what's going on. All I ever see her do is say good things about you. And I don't watch the show. Ha, 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 bullshit. Bullshit. Because I've come through the room enough to see her be a horrible person and run her mouth about everybody nastily in that show. And the producers encourage that. She's done it to their face, and she's done it in the little side moments. So you're full of shit. And Aaron's like, Aaron said, uh, uh, well, he's married to her. Wouldn't you do that? I was like, no. I would never make excuses for you. I've never made excuses for you. One... Yeah, I, I used an example for her, but I was like, basically, if somebody's like, oh, I don't know what's wrong with Aaron. Why is she saying stuff? I would never go, oh, no. She always says stuff good about you. I don't understand. No, I'd say, no, you're a dumb fucking twat who is giving her hell, yet she still comes and helps you. She still loves you for some reason, and she still helps take care of your life. And, yeah, she says stupid shit, but this is why your actions, A, B, C, D, I'll break you down like a shotgun. Or I'll say, you know what? And this has happened, too. She's her own person. She is dealing with some shit right now. She's just going through some stuff. It came out against you. It came out in this thing, but I'm not going to tell you all her story. It's her story to share, but she's dealing with some stuff. I'm still not making apologies for it, but I'm saying she might not think you're the horriblest person in the world. All right? She might just be reacting to the stupid shit you did right this second. Please understand it's just this moment, this second. Mostly it happens with kids and whatever, but... Understand it. it's a second in time. It's an action in time. Other things are going on. No apologies because she is her own person. She has her rights to her own thoughts. She can be ignorant. She can be whatever she wants to be. She can be smart. She can be whatever she chooses to say out of her mouth is hers. The other video, so I would never defend her on her words. The other video is, uh, I think it's from Russia. It was a viral video that went on and there's a guy and a girl walking along. This other guy, obviously, there's no audio, but he obviously says something about the girl. It's him and his buddy. And the guy turns around. The guy with the girl turns around. And you can say, he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And and the two guys think they're going to take him. Well, he's a karate master or whatever. He takes him out very, very quickly. And that's why it was viral. It's like, oh, these two got something they never saw coming, whatever. But again, you can call my wife a bitch. I don't care. I know who she is. You can be like, hey, baby, I want to tap that ass. I get to tap it all the time. Thank you very much. It's a very nice ass to tap. She is hot as hell. I have, There's no offense here. I don't get it. And, and here's the thing. My wife is strong, and she is feisty, and she's had to live with me for 16 years, and I've put the, the not the physical hurt on her, but I've put the emotional hurt on her, and she's come through it tougher than ever. And she has this thing she calls a baby arm where she carried the babies on her left arm all the time. And she can arm wrestle me with her left arm. Now, I'm not left-handed, so it makes it a little. But big grown-ass man, I have a hard time beating her and arm wrestling with that arm. I mean, it's, it's a very muscle arm, a muscled-up arm. So here's the thing. You start some shit with her, I, I'm going to get her back, but she's going to whoop your ass. So, no, I never feel the need to go to blows in the honor of my woman. However, you threaten my family in a real way. You threaten my family in a way that I think you're actually going to hurt them. I will fucking kill you. I will go to jail to know that I'm I'm living to take care of my family as opposed to a real clear, was it, the movie Clear and Present Danger? A clear, legitimate, you run in your mouth, is fine. I will step out, I'll give you very plain talk. Here's the deal. You're threatening me and my family. You've got three seconds to walk away. You cross my imaginary line. That'll be the last thing you ever do in this life. You need to leave now. Here's your chance for an out. Other than that, I mean, you could, I see these stupid fights where they stand up chest to chest and they're just all words. That's never, you can't fight chest to chest. You get close enough to me to bow up, 
I'm going to blow your goddamn knee out. I'm going to step on your neck until the cops show up. And you better hope they show up fast or you're going to die. And if you got friends, I will just kill you to take your friends out. Because my family is the most important thing to me in this life. I will give up my freedom. I will give up my future potential earning to save and protect my family. And I will take my chances with the fact that I can spin a story, that I can tell with heartfelt emotions the truth of how I saw it and how I felt and how all I did was protect what I loved. Wouldn't you do the same? And I believe I can win up jury of peers because I've been through enough shit. There's many, many stories. I'm trying to stay good on time, but there's many stories I've never told about fights and conflicts. So I've learned how things happen. Nobody wins in a fight. No, I get that. So I'm willing to do what it takes to go home in the morning. There's one quick one I told. Uh, the guy who we went to a car wreck that turned out to be attempted suicide. Little guy, and he, he came up, and I told, he stopped just short of the line. And I, that, that was as close as I got to physically fighting a stranger. So I would go home in the morning. I was going to put him down hard. And he stopped right short of my invisible line. And I already had the plan stepped out, set out in my head of exactly what I was going to do to hurt him and how I was going to watch for his family. And he stopped, and I sent the people back to the truck. But the whole thing was, I go home to my family in the morning. Even if that technically means a few mornings from now, because I'm in jail, then I'll do that. Because I'm still alive to take care of my family. So I, I alluded to some run-ins with the police officers, this kind of things. That's going to be in the extra on Patreon because I'd like to keep the podcast down to about an hour. I've been running really long lately. Uh, there's one about the rise and fall of Bear Calling Nation that uh, is out there that went really long, but it had a lot of – maybe that will be two-parter. I don't know, but it had really a lot to say about that. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to tell some more stories about conflict and how even standing up for yourself in the face of the law is the right thing to do. Because you have to understand who you are, understand who you are, understand your rights, understand what's going on in reality of the situation, and always be in a place of power. While you never can really control things in life, always be in a position of power, and that will help control things. So I'm going to talk about that with my run-ins with the police officers here and the extra. So if you'd like to know how to be part of the extra, patreon.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. You do the $5 per episode pledge, you get the live broadcast. If you can't be there live, that's okay. That recording stays up on Patreon forever for you. So you get all the video of it. You get the after. You you get to watch it at your own leisure, right? Uh, I think we should probably start doing audio version as well so that you can subscribe. But still, that's at that patron level. That's how you get to have this early. You get three weeks early. Three to four weeks early, depending on how, because we don't always publish in order, and that's fine. But you also get extra, 30 to 45 minutes extra that's not on the podcast, and that's the only way to get it. Once you sign up for Patreon, those archives are unlocked for you, and all that's there. If you would love to be a part of the show, I'd love for you to be a part of the show. Rockoutapodcasting.com for slash support. There's all the different ways you can subscribe on iTunes. Please subscribe. If you see this on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button right now. Like, share, subscribe. Oh, I'm going to open up the extra with a funny story about like, share, and subscribe here in a moment once I finish the podcast. But definitely on YouTube, like, share, subscribe. If you're listening to the podcast, there's a video on YouTube. You can watch me tell these stories and get that interaction if you like it that way. If you're watching this on YouTube, there's a podcast where you can hear this in your car or in your office with your headphones, and you don't necessarily have to be tied to watching. It depends on how you like it, whatever you want. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on uh, YouTube. Email me, rgop at charlesmcfall.com. R-G-O-P is Rock Out of Podcasting. R-G-O-P at charlesmcfall.com. I need your questions. Get more interaction on the show. Facebook.com forward slash Rock God of Podcasting. Twitter's at Rock God of Pod. Instagram is Rock God of Podcasting. Google Plus is Charles McFall, I think. Yeah, you can find me on Google Plus uh, there. So, yeah, all kind of ways to interact, to message me, to let me know. Get your questions in. Tell me what you're thinking about the show. Let's get together. Let's connect. All right, so if you're watching on YouTube here live for Patreon, stay tuned. We're about to kick that off. If you are listening on the podcast, hey, thanks for listening. Thank you for getting the word out. Thank you for being a part of what I do. And always, if you want more, there's more. There's more for you to have. 
All right. Uh, so sayonara for the podcast. Stay tuned for Patreon. Okay, podcasters and YouTubers, my name is Mike Woodard, otherwise known as producer slash audio engineer for the rock god of podcasting. Look, you know you're producing amazing content, but is your audio game as tight as it needs to be? If you need to level up the overall sound of your show, I'm your guy. If you need a kick-ass intro for your show, I'm your guy. If you hate the sound of your own voice and just need someone to handle your voiceover narration, I'm your guy. Need music beds? Need sound effects? Just go to mikeatthemike.com. Check out my demos and take a look at my rates. You can sound better than you do, and I can help. Mikeatthemike.com.